Hello and welcome to another episode of the Solo Powered Podcast with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business venture, single by choice, solo journey to parenthood, solo pursuits of passion, solo adventures. Basically, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. Um, since I started doing this podcast, I've re- been researching and searching for other podcasts like mine um, that I can listen to, to draw inspiration from. One of the first podcasts that I listened to was a podcast called Solo, uh, a, 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 a Single Life... Um, and it, bleh, Hang on, we're going to cut that bit out, okay? Um, one of the first podcasts I came across was Solo by Dr. Peter McGraw, which is a podcast um, that invites single people to live extraordinary lives. Lucy was a, a, a guest, I guess they were both guests on each other's podcasts. Uh, um, Lucy Megason, my next guest, and I listened to an incredible conversation between Dr. Peter McGraw and Lucy Megason. Um, and it really uh, inspired me and motivated me even further to uh, launch the podcast solo powered because I really feel that more of these conversations and more of these interesting incredible people need to be brought to the attention of many people out in the world who may be in similar situations so I'm very excited that I have Lucy Megason waiting on on Zoom on standby to to be my guest for this episode Lucy is the presenter and creator of a podcast called Spinsterhood Reimagined, which is just incredible. I can't wait to dig into that with her. She has an incredibly interesting uh, work past. She has a degree in psychology and French. She uh, worked then for BBC Radio 2 following her passion for music she was a uh, she was a, a producer for many different uh, shows within her career in the BBC she then decided to uh, pack all of that in and become a police detective of all things which I'm very excited to hear about as well um Lucy did that for a number of years before she realized that actually that wasn't her passion it wasn't what she wanted to do a couple of years ago she had what she calls a spiritual awakening and has since reframed her thinking of how she wants to live her life so she is a successful producer of this incredible podcast which I've um, which we will hear more about she also works part-time as a barista in a coffee shop she cleans her sister's house on a weekly basis she's also a coach offering one-to-one sessions and workshops as well and she's just my um spiritual animal I think I think we've got a lot in common Lucy and I and I'm really excited to have this conversation. She is child-free and single and is on a mission to try and encourage other people in her position to feel absolutely brilliant um, about the life that they have chosen or in some cases not chosen but found themselves living and um, I'm really excited that Lucy has uh, agreed to come on the podcast to talk about her experiences, the people that she's met since she's been doing this podcast. Very strange now to have her sitting in front of me. Um, so it's, 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 it's brilliant. But Lucy, yeah, look, obviously I gave an intro, maybe in your own words, if you want to just tell, um, our l- listeners about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, so going back to uh, what you were saying earlier about, so, so yes, I worked for Radio 2 for many, many years. And that was very much driven, as you said, by my passion for music, because music is my 
number one passion really in in life or one of my number one passions and I was actually a music scholar at school so I kind of did the whole sort of classical I was classically trained and then I, I was in a band when I was in my 20s so music has just always been the thing for me that that I truly 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 love it's kind of like my first and my one true love that's how I think about music um so yeah I sort of followed that I did various jobs when I initially left university didn't quite know where I was going what I was doing except I knew that I loved music and it sort of took me into down various roads into various sort of temp jobs here and there and then to cut a very long story short I then made the decision many years ago that I wanted to work for Radio 2. It was very much, I I just decided one day, I was like, this is what I want to do. Because as far as I was concerned at that time, and still actually Radio 2 is, is in terms of the, the eclectic mix of music that it plays, um, I was like, that's where I want to be. And also, um, you know, they make amazing music documentaries and and all the rest of it. So I, I it took me a good three, four, five years to get a permanent job there. Um, and I really worked very, very hard. I did lots of kind of, I used to work every weekend for free. I did like phone answering on various shows and eventually got myself um, a full-time, a, well, a permanent job at the BBC, which at the time, well, and still now is is kind of like gold dust. Um, but anyway, I, I did this job and Whilst I was working in the specialist music department of Radio 2, I got into a relationship with a guy, um, obviously, not obviously, I'm going to tell you, well, I'm going to have to edit that bit out. Um, I, I got into a relationship with a guy who I shouldn't have got into a relationship with. And basically, the it, it wasn't a great relationship. And I kind of lost myself to this relationship. Mm. Um, I wasn't in a good place at all. And randomly, one morning, it was so crazy. But as you as you mentioned earlier, I did a psychology degree and I've always had an interest in the way people's minds work. And one day I was sat and I used to sit next to the Jeremy Vine team. Jeremy, v- Jeremy Vine has a show on Radio 2 that's um, like a lunchtime news show. And he normally t- they normally do four features. And on this particular day... Jeremy was talking about a new initiative that the Met Police were doing, whereby you could enter the Met directly as a detective. Now, what I will say is that I had never, ever, ever had any urge to go and work for the police. Like it was just never something that I was remotely interested in, quite the reverse. However, I had always thought that being a detective could be or would be a a really interesting, rewarding, exciting job. And because of my interest in the way that people's minds works, it was just something that I'd, you know, never thought too much about, but had kind of occurred to me, oh, actually, I quite fancy being a detective. So anyway, as I say, at the time, I was in this not very great relationship with somebody that I'd met through Radio 2. And Basically, I heard this feature on Jeremy Vine and I just got up from my desk, took my phone, went outside, called the HR department at the Met and said, how do I apply for this? And I did apply and I got the job. But what I will say is that leaving Radio 2 was a really, 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 really big deal for me. And had I been in a different frame of mind, I don't think I would have left. Mm. 
but I don't regret it because it's led me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I did this whole kind of um, application process to for this detective thing, and I did it for about a year and a half. That was it. I, I I did the training for six months, and then I was posted. And pretty much, I would say, from the minute I arrived there, I realized that it was just not for me. But such a different environment from BBC. I, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm... Yeah, I mean, I've worked in media organizations and they are, we work hard, don't get me wrong. We work hard and it's, you know, it's difficult and you have to prove yourself and work your way up, but it's fun. I mean, it's, it's fun working in those environments and it's, you know, there's lots of really cool things going on and, you know, and, and, and I know that they don't show an awful lot of this in the TV shows, but I know that, you know, police work, detective work is hugely bureaucratic and there's tons and tons of paperwork and things like that, that you have to do, I'd imagine. Right. So just totally different worlds from where you'd come from. And you're absolutely right. The, so much of the job of being a detective is paperwork. Yeah. And it is just, there, there is such a, there is such a tiny percentage of the job in my, in my opinion, and in my experience, I can't obviously speak for everyone who's a detective, but there's such a tiny percentage of the job that, that is actually enjoyable. And in fact, the, the thing I have to say, the thing that I enjoyed, if there's one thing, I mean, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't say I miss it. I don't miss anything about it, but if I had to pick one aspect of the job that I kind of that I did actually enjoy it was it was interviewing suspects and of mm. course I spent um you know I mean I was interviewing suspects most days actually um and that was very interesting you know very rewarding and it uh, and I did sort of quote unquote enjoy that part of the job mm. but it was only a part of it and the rest the rest of the time just didn't make up for the bits that I didn't enjoy. But but how wonderful then that you've been able to continue on that by interviewing guests now as opposed to suspects on your on your podcast. So you've taken the best part of it and you know kept it. Very very different guests. Talk to me about your as you describe it your spiritual um, awakening and how that came about. So so I have always felt uh, for for as long as I can remember, I've always felt that there was more for me, that I wasn't fulfilling my potential. But as so many of us do, we kind of end up getting into that nine to five rat race world. And we end up doing jobs that we're not necessarily 100% happy in, but we kind of do it because we feel as if, that is all there is and we kind of have to do it. And this is the path that has been prescribed for us. Um, And I, and basically I, for many, many years, as I say, even when I was at Radio 2 doing something, you know, that I wanted to be doing, even when I was there, I always had this calling inside of me for more. And, and I, and I've even, you know, even from when I was kind of much younger, um, always felt that very, very, you know, that sort of intuition part of me just going, there is more than this. This is not enough. This is not enough. And so when I finally um, left the detective job, which actually was just literally just before we went into lockdown, like literally like a month before we went into lockdown. And what had happened that I'd been actually signed off by my doctor with stress um and so for the first time in my entire adult life 
I kind of had time. I actually had time and space to just breathe and think about my life and where I was going and what I wanted to do. And initially when I left, I was sort of, well, I, I hadn't left by that point, but I'd been signed off. But one, as soon as I'd been signed off, I, I knew in my heart I was never going to go back. I just I just knew it. Um, and so I was sort of looking around and weirdly speaking about the, the, the woman who you knew who's working in prisons. That was one thing that I sort of looked into. And I remember kind of Googling around thinking, oh, God, you know, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do? And I was sort of, you know, Googling around and these various jobs were coming up and all of them I was just thinking, it's just not what I want to do. What I want to do is just, it's just more than that. I just, I want to be doing something that I feel is purposeful for me. And I want to be ultimately working for myself and I want to be in control of my life. And so when I had this time um, at the very beginning, when lockdown first started, I started going down a kind of personal growth path. I started literally diving into the world of personal growth. I was reading every book. I was listening to every interview. I was listening to every podcast. And what essentially, what the way that I describe, because I think when you use the word spiritual awakening, people are like, what the hell is that? You know, oh my God, it's all way too woo. And, you know, just you want to go yeah. and live on a mountain and become a hermit. And, and actually to me, what a spiritual awakening is, it is, it's just a raise in your consciousness. It's just a bit, it's just becoming more conscious of the way things actually are, as opposed to the program that we've all been living in for, you know, for most of our lives. So I just started become to become aware that there was something more, you know, some kind of, and again, I intuitive, intuitively had felt this for most of my life, that there was kind of a higher power of some sort call it the universe call it source energy call it what you want but just a realization that we actually have more control over our lives than we might think and that the power of the mind is just that is this huge power this sort of power that is waiting to be harnessed and kind of unleashed but most people don't fully understand the power that their mind has over the way that their life actually looks so that is what that is why I refer to it as being a spiritual awakening, and because it literally is just waking up to mm. a higher state of consciousness and becoming more consciously aware of how I was living my life. So yeah, <laughs> amazing. And you know, like like I said at the start, I well, I feel like we have a, a lot in common. You know, I five years ago uh, suffered burnout. I decided to retrain. I did it retrained as a coach. Um, but, you know, I also work for myself and like you, I had this, always had this desire to, I, I suppose, as you say, do more. Um, but I was on this career path and I was looking at the managing directors and the CEOs thinking, I don't want their job. <laughs> and I, I don't really know what it is in terms of like going up this career. And then I sort of realized, actually, it's probably working for myself. But also, I had felt very, very pigeonholed throughout my career because I studied journalism and I was a writer for a while. And then I sort of sold myself to the devil, went down the creative commercial advertising route in sort of these hybrid roles. But I remember would go for these interviews and in the interviews, the people would say, so like, what are you? Are you a journalist or are you a salesperson or, you know, are you a creative? And I'd be like, well, can I not be all of that? <laughs> can I not be all of those things? People were very um concerned with me wanting to do too much, right? And I think, 
and I and I get it. I know organizations have to work in a certain way or else it's just anarchy and you know they want people to stay in their lanes. But I always had tons of ideas and tons of abilities. I remember working in um, a company in London years ago and my boss taking me into a room and sort of saying that I was in seventh gear and that I needed to bring it back to fourth or fifth gear. And I remember thinking, what? <laughs> what? Absolutely crap advice from a boss. Um, but I, 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 it was, I was pissing the other people off on the team because I was like, come on guys, you know, let's do this, let's do this. And ideas flowing all of the time. So when I decided to work for myself, it was that freedom, as you know, I've heard you talk about that freedom to just live the life that you want to live, do what you want to do, do what you're good at, do, do what brings you passion and make money from it. And you don't have to make millions. You don't have to, you know, it's, it's whatever it is that you need in order to live the life that you want to lead. And it's about finding that joy. And I have talked about it on the podcast. My mom saying, you come into this world alone, you die alone. You, your mom is the same thing. So there's a lot of philosophies that we have kind of going around. But yeah, talk to me then about sort of that, that after that awakening that you had and that creating this life for yourself with these various different work that you, that you've, that you do now in order to, to live your life, basically. Sure. So, so I remember uh, a few years ago and I was walking over, Richmond Bridge which is just down the road from where I live and I remember thinking to myself you know I just I was just very aware that I was feeling really really happy for no other reason than I just kind of was and and I had another another moment actually um in the summer of 2021 it was where I was sitting outside of my flat on a bench just outside and it was this beautiful July evening and I was looking through um some whatsapp messages with some of my I have a whatsapp group with sort of my closest oldest girlfriends and they were all talking about kind of husbands and babies and da 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 and I had this moment where I was like oh my gosh isn't it funny and isn't it interesting that I don't feel any kind of envy and I don't feel jealous and I don't feel like, oh my God, I want that life. And I realized that I just felt so happy in my own life and in my own skin. And obviously by that point, I'd long broken up with, with the boyfriend that I was telling you about that I, the reason I left radio or one of the reasons why I left radio too. And I had, and it was weird because I'd been doing this sort of delving into personal growth for probably about a year and a half by that point. And I had this moment where I just out of nowhere, I thought, (laughs) oh my gosh, I'm going to write a book about being single and child free. And it had never before in my life occurred to me to write a book ever. It just wasn't something that I had ever aspired to do. I'd aspired to, you know, write an album. I used to write loads of songs, but writing a book just wasn't my thing. But I had this very, very clear kind of divine download um, to write a book. And to cut a long story short, short, I walked back into my flat, sat down at my desk and just started typing. And over the next three or four months, all of this stuff just started coming out and I started writing this book and off the back of that I then decided to start the podcast and ironically the book kind of has been pushed aside because the podcast has basically taken over my life but what was really weird is that having having had that time to really work on myself um 
it was it was because of that that I was suddenly able to get these creative ideas of things that I might be able to do because I firmly believe that when you are kind of you know vibrating on a higher frequency and you're feeling good and you know life feels good and you're kind of following the things that make you feel good and you're following the things that light you up that is when you get these these creative ideas which enable you to then go on to do the things that you want to do mm-hmm. so so i started the podcast in november uh, no not november february 2022 but it was no- november the year before that i started working on it and and again i was coming from this place with this sort of absolute determination to to live life on my own terms and even though i didn't know what that actually looked like at that point um again the point is that when you start following what feels good you just start being led to this thing and the next thing and the next thing mm-hmm. and the next thing and starting a podcast about being single and child free is isn't something i had ever even thought about although weirdly when I was at Radio 2 um having said you know that I kind of felt like I wanted more actually when I was at Radio 2 I always used to feel like I want to be on the other side of the glass I want to be the one that's talking into the microphone or I want to be one of the you know in one of the bands that come into the studio to play the songs (laughs) and so anyway so in many ways although I hadn't actually thought about you know doing my own podcast um I had I had thought about presenting. I just kind of hadn't put the two put the two together. So, so I started Spinsterhood Reimagined, um, and and actually, I should point out that had I not done so much inner work to work on my limiting beliefs, to work on my self worth, to work on you know knowing that I was enough to get over the sort of imposter syndrome, I never would have started it. So. I think that doing that inner work and kind of going inside yourself and, you know, fixing the, not, not fixing the things about you that are broken, but just working on the beliefs that are not serving your life is, is so incredibly important to live a life that you want to live. Because like I say, Mm. I wouldn't have started the podcast had I not got to a point where I felt confident enough to put my voice out there because five years ago, I wouldn't have done this because I wouldn't have felt confident enough in myself to do it. Does that make sense? Mm. Oh my God, it makes so much sense. And, you know, I, I'm i very similar in that way. I obviously trained as a, as a coach. I work with lots of private clients one-on-one, um, but I also teach coaching. So Mindstream, where I trained as a coach, is now a, a company that I've recently just taken over. Uh, my mentor, Sean Farrell, who started the company 22 years ago, has decided to retire. And so um, it's something that I'm working on, but I teach you know, hundreds of thousands of students, um, how to do, to to do coaching. But in that, we also teach about self-awareness, about limiting beliefs, about loving yourself, about creating that greater sense of awareness. I'm such a huge advocate for coaching and how incredible, um, of a tool that it is for anyone who is feeling a little bit stuck or unsure or, um, unhappy with where they find themselves in their lives because it's, it's really simple little tools that are so hugely effective to just make a person feel that much better about themselves. And as you talked about that, you know, that spiritual 
awakening and I, I don't want it to sound like a, a religious thing because I think an, an awakening of the as you described a, a greater sense of awareness and um, a greater understanding of the power of our minds um, we are led so often by uh, by the surface level things as opposed to actually our subconscious minds which is actually really the big driver for for everything that we do and um, we don't get taught neuroscience in school we don't get taught the power of our brain you know people in adulthood I've had coaching clients of mine who've said I realized one day that I am not my thoughts and I'm like yeah but most people don't you know most people think I have a thought so therefore that must be me but it's not you know thoughts are like clouds they come and they go and we have multiple thoughts every day and we can think different things um but that whole agency as you said over our 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 minds over our 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 bodies of course but really over the direction that we take our our lives is something that a lot of people just really don't think that they have power over and that's why I I'm such advocate advocate for coaching to try and empower as many people as possible to really realize that they have much more power than they believe you know absolutely and and actually picking up on what you just said there about thoughts I think I think the point is that with so many people most of us simply are not aware of our thoughts yes. so we're just you know we're not thinking about them so we're they, they just come in and they go out and they come in and they go out but what we need to do is well as you will well know this as a coach you know what we need to do is 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 cultivate an awareness it's all about I mean I, I say this to my coaching clients it all starts with awareness mm-hmm. um we have to get conscious of the thoughts that we're thinking because they are affecting the the reality that we see in front of us. And, but yeah, like I say, most of us are, are not aware of them and we're just allowing them to. So essentially we are kind of letting life happen to us rather than us having agency over our own lives. And I think that's the thing that I try and get people to understand is that, you know, we don't want to be in this kind of victim mentality of life is just happening to me. And, you know, we're sort of, you know, just being kind of crashed around in the waves with absolutely no control over our lives because we can change that and we can Mm. make it work for us. We can make our thoughts work for us, but the trick is to start with an awareness of them and then, and then stop them in their tracks and change Mm. them. And the thing is you have to, you know, you mentioned neuroscience, we have to change the thoughts that we have so that we are because ultimately it's all about reprogramming our subconscious beliefs, isn't it? And, and ultimately mm-hmm. so many of us, well, I would, I, I would go so far as to say that pretty much all of us are held back to some extent or another, you know, to a greater or a lesser extent by the subconscious beliefs that we've carried from our childhood through adulthoods and we're not aware of it so and people don't realize that you know 95 percent of the way that we are being and living is coming from our subconscious minds we are not aware of where these thoughts are coming from and so we've got to we've got to get a hold of our subconscious beliefs and, and literally reprogram them. I mean, I don't know whether you've heard of um, Joe Dispenza, you probably have, yeah. um, but we need to literally rewire our brains. And the great thing is that we can, and science yeah. in the last 10 years has proved that we, you know, whereas we used to think that our brains were kind of fixed, it's not the case. We can literally rewire our brains to, to serve the things that we, that we want and to have the beliefs that we want to be able to live the life that we want. 
And it's, you know, it's, I've been thinking about this, listening to your podcast over the last while. And, um, I was listening to the episode with Dr. Jay from, um, living child free wealth. Um, and just about the experiences that he has over in the UK with that sort of pronatalism that you talked about, that whole idea of like the religion and how religion plays such a big part. And, you know, obviously I'm in Dublin, I'm in Ireland. Um, you know, religion was really, Right up until the the two thousands, really, such a big part of uh, we we only had an abortion referendum a couple of years ago that uh, that allowed abortion to be in this country. Divorce only came in, you know, twenty odd years ago. Uh, you know, condoms were illegal until the nineteen eighties. Like, I mean, you know, we had this sort of very 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 church, and of course, the church doesn't want people to think that they have death that they have agency over their own lives. The church wants people to believe that that God is choosing your destiny and your fate and that you don't have the power because God has all the power. Okay. So like there is definitely, we're coming out of that now, but there are still huge religions in, in the world that very much, you know, believe that. And, and, and governments, I believe as well. I don't want to this gets a big, a big conspiracy theory ish, but governments also don't really want us to believe that we have agency and power over how we do things corporate entities don't really want us you know that whole thing people need order and even for me working for myself uh, I have multiple different things that I do I was performing a wedding on Friday I write a column I'm a you know I, I'm a coach I'm a teacher I'm a trainer I, I'm, I'm doing an MMA at the moment I'm training for a fight people are like we don't we don't understand you we don't get it like you know it, it, this doesn't make sense for us um, but for me it's just like I'm doing things that I want to do and that I enjoy and that's okay you know we don't have to fit into this societal norm of everybody sort of doing the the same thing um, if that's what you want to do brilliant but if it isn't you can do something else and I think we're we are we need to sort of work on that as a society um and we we absolutely need to work on as a society the idea of and certainly from a governmental perspective this idea of like family being the most important thing we we singles are really forgotten about and you know no more was it evident to me than during covid when you know i was single woman living you know on my own and and you know couldn't go out dating my biological clock was like ticking loudly and there was just absolutely zero mention um, on the news from government about how single people were coping in, in, you know, old people who may be alone or lonely. Yes. But you and I, women in their thirties, forties, men, women and, you know, men in their thirties, forties were just completely forgotten about. Um, we are sort of the, that forgotten section of the, of society. However, there is so many of us as the stats show, um, which is just a, 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 unbelievable. So like talk to me about. I would love to talk about more about the podcast and about the term spinster and what you're kind of talk to me about what, what the definition of a spinster is and how you are wanting to it to be reimagined, if you will. Well, first of all, I'll just say that the the reason. Okay, so I I have never and would never describe myself as a spinster because I don't know anyone who would be like, "Hi, yes, I'm Lucy. I'm a spinster." But the reason that I wanted to use that word, the word spinsterhood for the podcast is because it's just, it's time that people started to realize that spinsters are not these kind of lonely, 
old, sad, desperate women who wish they were married and wish they had kids and are kind of bitter and resentful and all the rest of it. Um, And there's, you know, you and I both know there is such a stereotype. There is such a stigma around that word. And it's, and I just felt really strongly that I, that whilst the, the word kind of repels people almost, and, and there was a part of me going, oh God, you know, should I should I do a podcast with the word spinsterhood in it? Because the people are going to be like, oh my God. But actually I I really felt called to use it because, because I think it's important to reimagine it. I mean, you know, we all know what that sort of um, old fashioned interpretation of the word is and it's you know it's not good it does not have positive connotations you know the connotations are very much negative in you know in a very different way from the the connotations around the word bachelor you know the male equivalent just doesn't have the same negative connotations and so my sort of idea with the podcast was to essentially just say look you know us spinsters are not necessarily these these miserable women who are wishing for another life. Actually, being a spinster can be bloody great. And and I know that because I'm single and childless and or I prefer the word child free. But, you know, I just felt so strongly that it's just so wrong that there's this assumption that single women without kids of a certain age are this particular type and they must be this or they are that because and and my god has this podcast proved it to me there are so many single child-free women out there living great lives living happy lives living lives with meaning and value and purpose and it really is time to just sort of unpick this ridiculous meaning that we have placed on this word so yeah, my my kind of, you know, my mission is to reimagine it to the point where somebody's like, my God, I bloody love to be a spinster. It sounds awesome. Because <laughs> let's not forget that, you know, having, you know, being married and having kids can be great. But the point is that whatever path you choose to take in life comes with its highs and comes with its lows. It's just yeah. life. But yeah. The other thing I'm so passionate about is to really say, you know, being single and child free and a woman, because, you know, I don't think men do quite have the same stigma that us women do. It is not less than. And the frustration is that we still, I say we, quote unquote, we, you know, society, most people still assume that by being single and not having kids, you know, when you're past the age of, I don't know, pick it out yeah 35 40 whatever you want to whichever age you want to pick you know there's still an assumption that you've in some way not quite made it you've failed you know you haven't quite got there you sort of missed the boat and that is what I find so frustrating because I feel like I'm living a really full happy life I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything I don't feel like I'm lacking anything and actually a really key point is that I don't feel like I'm waiting for anything. There tends to be this assumption when you're single that you must be waiting for the day that you get into your next relationship. And what I would say with this podcast is this isn't some kind of waiting room. We're not waiting for anything. We're living our lives. Mm. Um, but it's that 
it's having to constantly and consistently swim against the tide and and you know just just you're trying to prove something that you're trying to prove something that people have such ingrained ideas about that it can be quite hard but having been doing spins to reimagine for a year and a few months what it's proved to me you know m- more than more than what i already felt in my heart to be the truth is that there are there are so many women out there and i know this from not only my guests but my listeners you know i get so many amazing messages from listeners saying oh my god you're literally you're reading my mind oh my god no one's ever said this before you know wow i suddenly you know someone else who feels the same way as i do mm-hmm. um but what i will say actually is that that isn't that isn't everybody because obviously not every single childless woman on the planet is happy in her situation what i really want to do is not only kind of validate the ones that do feel like that but is also to support the ones who don't feel like that yet because one of my main premises of this podcast is to say that we do not find happiness in a relationship that's not how it works and that is just a universal truth we can obviously have you know pe- other people can obviously contribute to our happiness but our fundamental true inner peace does not come from someone else we're never going to be saved by a relationship we're never going to be completed by a relationship because we already are complete mm. and and actually what we what we should i think what people should be doing is trying to make the very best of the life that they have right now rather than waiting for somebody to come along and then kind of have your best life you know life is so short so i i just don't want you know single women to be kind of wasting their lives waiting for a relationship when they're more than capable of living a fabulous life right now you know and that is absolutely the mission with with this podcast as well with solo power it is to try and empower people to do whatever it is they want to do in life like on their own that we don't have to wait for somebody to hold our hand um or somebody to to come along whether that be in a relationship or whether that be business or whatever it is that you want to do go for a walk go out on your own go on a holiday on your own it's okay to do that and I know just know so many people who 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 are afraid of that um and you know I think with podcasts like yours with podcasts like mine you know those conversations hopefully will will really change that kind of narrative around and, uh, you know, I completely resonate with what you said. I, for probably from my, my, my whole thirties, I was really looking for love. I was out on the dating scene. I was on every dating app out there. I had a, a, a blog called swiperight.blog. I've had a dating relationship column in a magazine here that I used to chronicle my dates, right? So, I mean, I was like really out there and, um, but I did this really powerful, actual uh, letting go exercise, actually, that Sean Farrell from Mindstream did on me. And, um, you know, he it's an exercise where you kind of you can't have what you want and you can't have what you want, what you have. Those two things are mutually exclusive. Right. So um, 
And we did this really powerful letting go exercise where I let go of the want to be in a relationship. I And I genuinely let it go, right? And the frustrating thing is sometimes I tell people that and they go, oh, well, now that you've let it go, you'll probably meet someone. I'm like, oh, you've just missed the point of what I'm trying to talk about. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, no, I have let it go. And I am genuinely have never been happier in my life at the moment. Like you mentioned, you know, that, that feeling of being happy. I am so happy with the life that I've created for myself. I have my lovely apartment. I have all this work that I love. I've got great friends, great family. I have my beautiful dog, Molly. I travel and I'm not missing anything. I'm, you know, I'm really, really not. But like I said to you, this is a very timely episode for me because I'm 40, I'm 41 in June. And right after this, uh, right after we finish filming this episode, I'm going to the fertility clinic for my appointment to talk about my results of my AMH blood test um, in the in the sort of intention of exploring. And I'm really using that word exploring um, the possibility of having a baby on my own. So we have had guests on the podcast who've done that. I know lots of people who've done that. I know you've had guests on your podcast who've done that as well um but I'm listening to your podcast you know binging it all all over the weekend and I'm kind of like I don't know I still I I obviously the the problem for me was that you know do I want to um go through the rest of my life without having a child probably the answer to that is no do I want to go through and have a child on my own probably the answer to that is also no so potentially one of those two no's is going to have to cancel out the other right but that being said I have never been happier. My life is wonderful at the moment and I don't know whether I want to change all of that. I was away at the weekend with my sister who has four kids and her, her youngest is 16 and her eldest is 24 and she's she's kind of coming out the other end of it now and she's saying, why would you ruin this great life that you have? Um, no, she loves her kids obviously but she's kind of like enjoying this newfound freedom that she's having now and she's thinking, you know, Ariana, it will just completely upend your life. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm getting all of this different advice, I suppose. So, you know, as someone who is child-free and single, Lucy Megginson, tell me about your experiences and sort of maybe the benefits that you might um, attribute to, 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 to the life that you've chosen. Gosh, I mean, this is such a big one, isn't it? And firstly, you know, um, let me just say, I, I think it's amazing what you're, what you're exploring, you know, whichever way it goes. Yeah it's a very brave thing to do not everybody would have the guts to go and do it by themselves um but it's so to give a very sort of brief background of me not having kids I am not in I I didn't choose to be child free I just ended up not having kids okay and the funny thing was is that I was never one of those girls never one of those girls who felt broody and felt um, really called cool to be a mum. If anything, I always felt like, you know, it was always kind of like in the back of my mind, yeah, you know, I'm sure I'll have kids one day because I might add, because quote unquote, that's what people do. Yes. Not because I had a burning desire to be a mother, but because I assumed that I would, because that is the life path that people, you know. Yeah. The relationship escalator. Yeah. Exactly. So, when I was in my kind of 20s and 30s, it just wasn't even something I was thinking about. And around me, you know, my sister had four kids, my friends started having kids, but I still um, wasn't feeling this. I wasn't feeling that I wanted it either 
in my head or in my heart or or in my womb I didn't you know, I didn't I, I, people would people would talk about like oh my god I'm so broody and I'd be like what is this broodiness that you're talking about I do not understand what you I don't get it because I've never felt it like physically felt it and in the meantime you know I was having like relationship after relationship after relationship and um I actually walked away from sort of th- three or four long-term relationships in my kind of late 20s and all through my 30s because I mean that's another story but for whatever reason I didn't feel like I wanted to walk down the aisle with those guys I felt this kind of like inner panic of like oh my god this just isn't right this just doesn't feel right so I walked away and I suppose what I could have done and what potentially many people might have done had they been very much motivated by having a baby I might have stayed because that would have been my priority so I'd have been like you know because because what I will say is that you know many of those boyfriends were absolutely lovely and would have made lovely husbands and great dads um and and are lovely husbands and great dads um so anyway it, I got to um 40 and suddenly broodiness hit like mm-hmm. it was crazy I was like what is happening and in my very, very early 40s, in fact, just before I turned 40, I got together with the bloke that I mentioned earlier, who, you know, I wasn't in a great relationship with. So actually, as I started to become really, really broody, finally, my body was like, oh, my God, have a baby. Um, I wasn't in the right relationship. And thank God I walked away from that relationship. And thank God, you know, I'm grateful every day that I didn't get pregnant with him because that just wouldn't have been right for for either of us or the baby. Um But anyway, so then I kind of found myself single, um, you know, in my very early 40s and incredibly broody. But I, I sort of, I look back and I think, you know what, if I had really, truly wanted to be a mother, I could have made it happen. I could have made more effort to um, get into another relationship, but I didn't. And I wasn't because I just didn't feel called to do that. I didn't feel a need to do it. Um, but, but the point is that had I really, really, truly, truly wanted to have a baby, I could have made it happen. Mm -hmm. So whilst I've had these feeling, these very, very strong physiological feelings of broodiness, um, there's obviously been something inside of me saying, you know, maybe this isn't right for you. And as I, and I suppose also, as I was kind of getting older, I'm 47 now. So as the kind of, you know, I was like 43, 44, 45, 46, of course, I was starting to think, well, it's probably too late. It's probably too late. Um, but again, I wasn't thinking, oh, shit, I better. Ah, my God, I quickly need to, you know, go online dating and find a bloke and get pregnant. Da, da, da. And so I think that ultimately what I'd always felt in my 20s and 30s is that perhaps being a mother wasn't what I was put on this planet for. Mm. And despite the fact that I do have to contend with sometimes quite strong feelings of, of broodiness. Like I work, you know, you mentioned I work in a coffee shop and sometimes, my God, I see, you know, there are so many babies and toddlers that come in and I do have moments where I, I like look at a baby and I'm kind of fixated on a baby, like, Oh my God. Um, however, that is only ever the sort of physical feeling because in my heart and in my head, and also, I think in my intuition, I know that it's 
is not what I want for my life. And that doesn't mean that I wouldn't love a little baby and all the amazing babiness of having a baby, but I can see further than that, which is what do I actually want my life to look like? And if somebody said to me right now, you know, let's say I was in a relationship, let's say things were different, whatever, and and I got pregnant, or let's say I was, you know, somebody kind of handed me a baby, actually right now i i 99% know that i'd be like do you know what it's not what i want mm. because i know what i would be giving up to mm. have that baby because the the freedoms that come with not having kids are so huge and if i had a baby now that is essentially my life and what i see for my life the way that I want my life to look as I go forward into my future, a baby would just, it just wouldn't be possible with, with a baby. Um, so it it has been a, you know, a relatively complex journey, but I'm at a point now where there is, what, I, what I'd like to say to listeners is that there is no part of me, genuinely no part of me that regrets not having a baby um, because I know myself and I know what I want for my life. And I just don't think that a baby would fit into that. And I also console myself is the wrong sort of fret, the wrong sort of expression. But I sometimes think, well, you know, when you have a bit, having a baby is one thing, but then they, then they're like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 30, you know, you've got to take them to school. You've got to take them to football. You've got to do their homework with them. And all of the things that come with having kids, all of the potential complications, all of the potential difficulties, um, they are all, I think, to be seriously considered. And actually the com- there is much of, so much more of a conversation around women who choose intentionally choose to be child-free. Um, and I think there are many, many great things about more women choosing not to have kids. But mm. by the same token, you know, you yourself and in your situation, I mean, you obviously have more of a desire for it than I ever did. But I I would say that you kind of have to hand it over to fate, don't you? It's like if you are mm. meant to have a baby, then... Well, you see, I don't see that's the thing and that's the problem. I can't have it handed over to fate because I'm not in a relationship and I need sperm to make a baby, right? So, 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 yeah. So for me, it's, it's actually, and I, and I suppose that goes back to that point that I was sort of saying about us having agency over our own lives and making the decisions and not allowing fate, if that's what you want to call it, to dictate how our life can be. Because I think that's what, unfortunately had to happen for a lot of women maybe in my position for many many years until the options that we now have before us where it is incredible that we actually can make a decision and not have to let fate fate wait you know uh, dictate whether that is going to be something that happens or not um you know it's absolutely a, a huge decision I mean I'm one of eight kids I have 15 nephews and nieces I'm godparent to several of my friend's children um you know I've always been great with kids and babies I'm I'm a very loving person I kind of feel like I do want to have that experience of of being a mother because my life is all about experiences and you know that is something that I always thought that I would like to do but that being said you know I if it 
doesn't happen, if I do explore these options and if it doesn't happen, I know I will be okay with that too because I know that I can have a wonderful life. Um, you know, without being a mother. And uh, I think it's, it's really interesting. Um, what you were, what, what you were saying there about like realizing that actually probably there was something inside you that were, was, was, was sort of saying for you that you didn't want to be a, a mom or that, you know, maybe motherhood wasn't for you or what you were put on this planet for. I feel the same way about relationships now because when I look back and I think, I was searching for this partner and looking for this relationship when people would say to me, you know, why are you still single? And I've heard you talk about that awful question and people would ask, you know, why are you still single? Um, I think it's because in my subconscious mind, I've always valued freedom and independence far greater than I have valued security and, you know, coupledom, right? So, so actually my subconscious mind was driving my decisions. And, you know, whenever a guy really, really liked me or started falling in love with me, I would immediately sort of get out of that relationship right um and if a guy wasn't really interested in me I would sort of chase them because you know maybe it was that 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 feeling of the chase or whatever but it is that thing I think and I think that we as women have to recognize that a little bit more that our subconscious minds are driving a lot of our decisions and that we don't maybe it's not just because of we've ended up in this situation or whatever it might be, but it's because actually it's, it's the decisions. And, you know, I love at the start, you said, I decided I wanted to work in BBC Radio 2. And where did you end up working was BBC Radio 2. The power of our decisions is, is absolutely enormous. Um, but I think, you know, there is a lot more women now who are coming out. And unfortunately, they're being backlash. There's backlash for women who say that they don't want to have kids. I, I mean, I have a niece who, since she was about four years of age, has been saying, she doesn't want to be a mum and she's 20 now and I remember very much the conversation around her saying those things would be going oh she'll she'll probably change her mind you know she'll change she'll change her mind when she gets you know and it's like well she doesn't have to she can absolutely decide that she doesn't want to have kids you know and um I am going to have a guest on the po- coming onto the podcast um in next week actually who has she's married but she, you know she has always been vocal about not wanting to have kids and she's not having kids she's going to come on and talk about that as well in terms of that child free decision as it were right of, of of not doing it versus circumstance or just time you know which may be the case for for you and I up to this point in our lives right um but yeah it's it's such a fascinating uh, talk to me I remember on the podcast um I listened to a while back you talked about the the customer who came into the coffee shop and uh, what he said to you He's a guy. So I work in a in a coffee shop in Twickenham um, and on rugby days, as you can imagine, we get very busy. And there's this one customer who who I, I see him every few months. He always, you know, he's always there for the rugby and a really nice guy. We always have a chat. La, 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 la. He came in not so long ago and I was at the till and I was like, hey, how are you doing? We started having a chat and he and he for some reason just said, oh, how's your podcast going? And I said, oh, it's going really well, thanks. And he said, he said, remind me what it's about, because I don't know whether I'd actually told him. And anyway, I said, oh, it's about being single and child free. And he looked at me and sort of cocked his head to the side and went, oh, dear. <laughs> and I just looked at him and said, it's comments like that that are why I'm doing this podcast in the first place. And it is comments like that, isn't it? It's it's so incredibly frustrating. Again, it's that assumption that somehow that's sad or tragic or, mm. or, you know, a million other adjectives I could use, but it's, um, yeah, the sad, the sad truth is that people, I think people can't even, 
help themselves. It's such a knee-jerk reaction. And actually, to give this guy his credit, bless him, he actually ended up emailing me about a week later um, and he'd gone on to the podcast, listened to several episodes and kind of wrote me this really sweet email, which was basically, I think, kind of backtracking on what he'd said, but in a really sweet way, which I did appreciate. But because he also said to you, I didn't I didn't have you down as the lonely type. Wasn't that what yes, he said? Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, exactly. So we went on to say, oh, well, yeah. So he went on to say, well, I didn't have you down as the lonely type. And I was like, I'm not. <laughs> And but again, it's another another one of the things that people assume. And actually, um, you know, being alone, being single, and this is something I feel really passionately about. Being alone and being single does not equate to being lonely in the same yeah. way that being in a relationship and having kids does not equate to not being lonely. Absolutely. And there is this this. So many people think that, you know, living alone is another one. I mean, you live on your own, right? So Mm -hmm. I live on my own. I absolutely love living on my own. And anyone who thinks that it's kind of sad or lonely or tragic has just got it so, so, so wrong. Living on your own, certainly as far as, you know, the way that I see it, it's an absolute joy. It's one of the joys of my life, like my, my beloved flat where you know, it just brings me so much peace and so much joy and so much um, good feeling. And I think one of the best things about living alone, because I've lived with many boyfriends over the years, and one of the best things that I find about living alone is that your emotions, or my emotions anyway, they when you're when you're not living with someone your emotions are not kind of rocked by somebody else's emotions and there's something so incredibly just calm about living in your own space on your own you know you are in control of not not only kind of what it looks like what it feels like what it's you know what music you have playing what what you're listening to um but it's there are so many more there are so many sort of deeper wonderful things about living on your own just apart from like oh well I can have what wallpaper I want I'm not that I have wallpaper I don't know where that came from but <laughs> you, you know there, there are just there are so many but it strikes me as it strikes me as you talk about that that is, that is also yeah. it's also a metaphor for living on your own sort of being that yeah. you that you're you can control your emotions you know you talked about losing yourself in that relationship I know that I absolutely lose myself when I go into relationships I become very all about them and their happiness and I kind of like I forget myself sometimes and when I it's only when I come out of a relationship that I go oh and so you know that was a big realization for me that I was like oh I I I can be so much better as a person on my own but like you can make those just those choices those freedoms that you've talked about when you talk about living in, in your in your house about you know playing loud music or the paint but also it's just about and I had never lived on my own up until a few years ago I obviously came from a huge family and I always had housemates and I always thought oh I could never really live alone I always I need to have that that companionship but actually I love it and I know my mum has lived alone for the last few years my father passed away um, uh, 16 years ago but my my brothers were still living with my mum up until you know a few years ago and now my mum is like I'll never live with anyone ever again I love it you know she's 73 this year and she's just like don't anyone ever try and you know live with me again because I'm perfectly happy on my own and um 
And that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. I think there's all of that assumption that if you're on your own, you know, that you must be, that you must be, because they just don't know. And I didn't know until I lived on my own how wonderful it it, it can be and how uh, freeing it is. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a, an, an interesting change of narrative. And, you know, just talk to me maybe about some of the, the guests that you've had on in terms of, um, you know, the kind of lessons that you've learned from, from, from people that you've talked to over the last year and a half? Gosh, I mean, so great. You put me on the spot now. I'm just trying to think. So, so, so many things I've learned, but I would say that probably the overriding thing that people say about being single and not having kids is the freedom that it affords us and I don't know about anyone else listening but my top 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 value is freedom always has been always will be and I think that's the thing that people don't realize because they just don't think about it when they're you know in a couple and they're not sort of thinking about single people but freedom as a value and as a concept is so sort of you know the benefits of that are so underrated um and yet so to me freedom and you know you you mentioned earlier independence those two things are way up there on my list of values and actually one other thing that I love to just just mention about about being single is that I find that it's when I'm on my own that I'm able to really be the best version of myself. Mm. And I don't know what that is. I don't know. I, I really don't know why that is. But what I do know is that in most of my relationships in my adult life, I always felt somehow that I was being slightly held back not by them but by myself or just by the situation I I felt as if I was being somehow um you know I I didn't enjoy that slight sort of loss of autonomy autonomy to me is so important Mm -hmm. and by being alone it's the times when I've been on my own um it just is always the time where I can really really actually just enjoy my life so I don't know what that is but I I feel like I enjoy myself so in my life so much more as a single woman and I think that is partly because I am free to really be who I am mm-hmm. and when you're in a relationship I'm not saying you can't be who you are but that but you're in a relationship so just by virtue of being in a relationship you are making compromises that you simply don't have to make when you're not in a relationship Um, and yeah so certainly for me that's how I feel I feel like I'm able to really um live my best life and just yeah be the best version of myself. so interesting Lucy you know because you said that you know you've you you're able to sort of be the best version of you and then we have movies and quotes from people like Jack Nicholson saying you make me want to be a better man you know people sort of saying that my my other half makes me a better person and maybe those people have security and validation high on their list of of values and like that's okay it's not this isn't a you know single life is better than couple life because all of them absolutely have their own 
attributes and their own benefits and their own negatives and all of that kind of thing. You know, what struck me listening to one of your podcasts was that I think it's something like 80% of the animal kingdom, um, are, are, are not in couples, right? So, so they're, they're, they're loans. So I think naturally, you know, I don't know if I believe in monogamy. You know, I'm really excited that there's so many different ways in which people can have relationships now um i don't believe that humans um neanderthals you know us we're, we're meant to just be in one relationship for the rest of our lives um I think, you know, if we look back in through history, it came about through the invention of agriculture. Um, agriculture was something that, you know, the, the cavemen were just out shagging whoever they want and, and having loads of babies everywhere. Um, but agriculture brought in this whole idea of like having to decide who are my heirs. And then obviously we bring in religion. You bring in everything that I talked about in terms of wanting to create order. Um, and that kind of created this society of, of, of marriage and, and, you know, and look, don't get me wrong. I'm a celebrant. I performed a wedding on Friday, right? I I love romance. I love marriage. I love, I love that whole kind of thing. Um, but I just feel that actually, you know, when you talk about being on your own, me talk about being on my own, maybe that is actually the most natural state, um, for, for us to be in. And, you know, it, 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 you know, it hurt me a little bit when you were talking about, um, you know, these, these guys that you were in relationships with that you ended because you couldn't see yourself walking down the aisle with them. Whereas, you know, maybe they could have been fantastic relationships for for what they were for for however long they might have been that it's okay to just have a fantastic relationship and then for it to end and for it not to be you know something because I can't see myself marrying them when you know actually we have incredible people can come in and out of our lives at various different points whether they be platonic friendships you know family members you know uh, romantic relationships and they can just be what they are meant to be and it doesn't have to hand have any end point I suppose um I Dr. Peter McGraw is going to be coming on to the podcast as well I haven't booked in in a couple of weeks you know talking about that whole that whole idea of what constitutes a failure or a successful relationship but um I think you know in terms of being single and child free and and being happy with who you are for for now because I mean are you open you're open to being in a relationship in the future right yeah I I, I am open to being in a relationship in the future and and as I've said many times on the podcast I kind of assume that at some point I will get into another relationship just pure just because I always have done up until now however the longer that I'm single and I've now been single for six and a half years the longer that I'm single and and, and also probably you know not not least because of what I'm now doing with my life in mm. terms of the podcast. Um, but the longer I am single, the more I wonder whether I actually really want to, because, and it, and it scares me, I'm not going to lie. It, it, it scares me, the thought of getting into another relationship, because I feel like it would really rock my life and not necessarily in a good way it fit do, do you know what I mean it, it yeah it's it, it the thing you know it's it, it scares me um that isn't to say that I'm not open to it and if somebody came along then who knows I mean I, I would never you know I'm not one of these um people who says you know I am single for the rest of my life full stop period end of story that's it because that's not me because I've always been in relationships but the older I get I think it's perhaps because the more I know myself and the happier that I am with myself and the more I kind of love myself if you like 
it would take a lot to um, get me into another relationship and to sacrifice because that's the thing. It's really funny the way that people, um, you know, they don't really, or it's not talked about that much, the kind of sacrifices of giving up singlehood mm. to get into a relationship. Yeah. And and I, to me, it's a huge sacrifice to give up my single life to to be in a relationship. That's like, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm really not sure how I feel about that. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but, but yeah. No, it absolutely does. And I, and I totally, I totally agree. I'm, I'm very much the same, you know, it, it, but I, I think that's where, you know, when we look at the, those four different types of singles that were discussed, sort of like the, the, the some days, the just maze, the, the no ways and the new ways and that whole, that kind of new way of being, which I do sort of see myself in. I don't know if, if I was to enter into a relationship, I don't think I'd want to live with someone. I don't know if I'd want to get married. I, you know, I don't know if I would be able to like kind of go into that sort of traditional merging of, re- merging of life. You know, I have my own, my own place. That's always going to be mine. I don't want that to be, you know, so it's, it's this strange kind of way of, of, of re, retraining my mind about what a relationship can be and how it can fit into my life that I've created and how it can benefit me and you know I'm I'm single but I have lots of little relationships and friends with benefits and you know different things going on that you know fulfill me and make me happy and you know all of that it's it's not about sort of like being anti-man or woman or whatever kind of uh, way that you that, that you are but it's just about making it work for you and 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 making and you know I, I know we're kind of probably going way over time here but we'll we'll have to edit some stuff but I'm just conscious as well that you know I went traveling last year by myself myself my little dog Molly we traveled all around Europe and the amount of people who said to me before I left oh you'll meet someone when you're traveling you know and I was like god I just I don't like I but no you're missing the point again like I'm going traveling on my own I don't want to meet anybody because I want to travel and explore and and meet wonderful new people and then move on and like that's my plan for this for this journey that I'm on it's not about meeting someone and settling down and 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 all of that you know so but people were just kind of like just people think that you're not being truthful they they think you're lying when you're saying that you're happy and single you've had that right but it's so true it's so true I mean when you just said that it made me feel like I'm just it's so exhausting to have to continually justify the fact that it's like no, no 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 I really am perfectly happy. I'm fine, guys. Like, <laughs> like you end up sounding like the lady doth protest too much. You know, it's like yes. it, you, you somehow it sounds as if you're. It sounds as if you're. You must be not telling the truth, but it's quite insulting to, for you know, when people sort of say things like that. Because it's like, but I'm, but if I'm telling you this, you you must think that I'm not telling you the truth yeah. by by saying that because. But it, but it is utterly, utterly exhausting. And it's it's that thing where, you know, I had a guest on the podcast, Christina Campbell, a few weeks ago, and she was um, telling a story about a friend of her, a male friend of hers, where she, she, she told him that she was happy being single. And he literally just went, bullshit. <laughs> it's like, 
oh my God, oh my God. And like you say, you know, when you went traveling, everyone, what people are thinking of rather than how awesome she's going traveling around, around Europe. That's so great. People are thinking, well, you're obviously going to meet someone. It's like, that's not what, that's not why I'm doing this. Oh my God. But <laughs> yeah. I suppose that, you know, number one, there's, you know, we can't control how other people feel. Um, and it's just, I, I wish that, you know, I'd love to sort of, you know how you write those things across the sky, you get those planes or those sort of things that you can like write, write messages across <laughs> the sky. You just want to do that, don't you, about being yeah. single? It's like, we're fine and we're, we're not fine, fine. guys. We actually mean it and we're not secretly wanting a relationship and we're not secretly sad and lonely and we're secretly sexually frustrated or blah, 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 whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever. Yeah. And it's a journey. I mean, because I certainly was probably, you know, I certainly was in that category of the someday and then I was the just may and, you know, now it's, you know, I mean, I, I know. And I, but that, but that's why we, we evolve as human beings. We evolve over time and we realize what's good for us, what's bad for us. I think when you are, are people like you and I who have been lucky enough to kind of come to that awakening point of becoming more aware and understanding that, that we have these choices over the things that we want to do, um, that we actually start to realize that actually um, the choices that we make and how we make ourselves happy and how we val how we view success um you know can be different to the norm the normative way um but that as we as we both sort of say and, and it's just as valid and it's just as, as as wonderful and like that I may be in a relationship someday maybe I'll have a child someday you know actually I need to go and have my appointment um so so yeah, so you know, we we just have to uh embrace it and um and really try and do the work that we're doing, Lucy, with your podcast, with my podcast, just to sort of show people that actually um there's more to life um than, you know, having to wait for other people or having to wait for other things or having to life fate let let fate happen, but that actually we can uh, make the decisions um and we can live the most wonderful lives that we want to live in on our own terms, just as you are living life on your own terms. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I really couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Lucy. I feel like we could talk for even longer and hopefully I'll come on to your podcast and we can continue this conversation at some point as well. But like, thank you so, so much. And I know that this podcast is going to be um, of huge interest to the listeners out there and I'm sure it will spark many a debate. Um, but it's been absolutely amazing having you on and thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been absolutely amazing. I can't wait to have you on my podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thanks a million. You're welcome.